an itch in your back from climbing a dying vine, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, that is Jeff, and Alathian is the subject of this episode. Alathian? I thought we were talking about Crutch. Yeah. Well, you can't talk about Alathian without talking about Crutch. Isn't that saying like tomato, tomato... Yeah, except it'd be like saying tomato and tomato sauce. Yeah, let's let's find out what the Latin. Slightly different. It's a little easier for me to uh, to say crutch, which is why I pretty much always just say crutch versus Alathian. But Alathian is the name of the band, so there you go. Interesting tidbit about crutch is the first time I ever heard crutch, I thought, huh, they sound kind of like death. And X Toll. So I used to call them Death Toll. <laughs> nice. Which sounds more like a tough guy hardcore band, but whatever. So, how did Crutch become a Lathian, or how did Crutch become Crutch then? Well, Crutch was a band that started off, I guess, around like 97, 97, 98, somewhere around there. Sometime in that, in that realm. And uh, they were kind of this like death metal band. That played like really proggy music, basically sounding kind of like Death. Like I said, uh, Death was the biggest one I heard. Um, there's a little bit of Cynic in there, especially on the first album. So the band described themselves on a flyer I got from them at Cornerstone one year, where they called themselves uh, like a melodic, progressive, technical death metal, which is a lot of syllables. This band loves syllables. Is this the part of the conversation where I bring out the button that says up own ass? Uh, they may have been a little bit, but I think that comes <laughs> with the territory, right? Well, that's that whole we are progressive metal, but we're not progressive metal like Pink Floyd. We're progressive like we're really complicated and intricate and polyrhythmic, and we're not tool, don't worry. Right, well, and I don't think that they, you know, when you've got to throw the word death metal on at the end of that because you don't want Dream Theater fans tuning in and being like, Oh. oh, okay. I was expecting, you know, balls and a vice grip singing, you know. <laughs> um, although we do get a little bit of that later on, don't we? Well, before we get into balls and a vice grip singing, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in radio, so if you have an Amazon Echo or Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion Podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Five-star reviews are the lifeblood of podcasts. Um, if you want to get recognized as a podcast or be advertised on iTunes front page or something like that, five-star reviews are what you need to get there. So that's kind of what we need to get there. We really appreciate all of your guys' reviews that you've given us so far. If you don't think that we deserve a five-star review, you can definitely give us whatever kind of review you think we deserve. Uh, you can also leave us a review on Facebook now. If you go to facebook.com slash discography discussion, you can now uh, leave reviews, starred reviews, and written reviews on our Facebook page directly. And I will read those as they are received on the show. I want to give a big shout-out to our new Twitter followers, and now Jeff is going to do a shout-out to Patreon. Oh, you want me to say, hi, Dave? Dave, you're my hero. You're my fan. I'm your biggest fan. You're my fan, too. It all works out. It's like a perfect circle. Oh, no, wait. Wrong episode for that. We're talking about that next month, right? I don't think that's <laughs> going to be an episode that we do. <laughs> Over my dead body. So what have you been listening to this week, Jeff, on your downtime? Oh, in my on my downtime? Oh, God. Dan, did you listen to what I sent you? Uh, I, usually when you send me a recommendation, I just hit delete. But um, <laughs> uh, The Ethel Duath? <laughs> oh, no, I haven't gotten around to that yet, man. I've had some, I've had some shit going on. <laughs> really? 
We didn't know. So now that I'm done kissing Dan's ass, hopefully he'll go listen to it. <laughs> but that's yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I've been listening to, man. It's the, some some of the craziest shit. Uh, I guess that's I guess that's pretty crazy coming from me. <laughs> There's uh, it's metal, but it's like jazz infused metal. Oh, so between the buried and me. Done before. Yeah, there's like, well, this this is an old album, and there's like trumpets and all kinds of weird shit on it. Done before. Yeah, I know, but it's they they do a fantastic job. Come okay, on, I'll guys. listen to it as long as we can move on. Dan, tell me about Crutch. Well, Crutch is a band that I started listening to probably around, uh, I guess, probably around like oh two, oh three, something like that. Uh, a little bit after they were uh, kind of already an established thing. Um, you know, th- there was a buddy of mine that I used to talk to on AOL and some messenger named Matt. And he, uh, he was a really big fan of these guys. He was from their local area, which, uh, they're from, uh, they're from originally from Lebanon, Pennsylvania. And, uh, so he was a huge fan, like a super fan. And I remember because I used to be kind of more on the hardcore side of things. So I would show him hardcore bands like, uh, like Norma Jean and, and stuff like that. And he got into that. Then he would turn around and he would show me like death metal bands. And so one of the first bands that he told me about, he's like, "Dude, you got to check out this band called Crutch. They're like death. They're like uh, they're like cynic. They're like extol." And you know, at the time, I didn't really know what a lot of those terms meant because I didn't bloom in metal for a little while, you know. And uh, so basically, when I heard it, my mind was kind of blown because like I'd heard death metal before that at least a little bit, but it was like really different in the sense that it was very melodic in places and the music sounded in my to my ears like impossible to play like the drums were just insane like for that time and it wasn't just like it wasn't just like straight like you know blast beat you know like straight double bass straight blast beat there's plenty of that but there was a lot of groove and the guitar was just mind-blowing just like just alternating alternating leads crazy solos really cool sounding melodic stuff but not like not like i'm gonna bust an acoustic guitar out kids and play it for you like it was just like serious it never at least especially on the first album never really slowed the momentum of the music and uh so i became a really big fan of that band even though i did obtain their first album through less than uh admirable means so why did they become a lathian then well i don't know the exact reason for that um we would actually we'd have to ask travis on that uh i don't remember the exact reason i think he said something about copyright but i could be wrong about that he actually went into a little bit of detail if we go back to the death episode that he he was on with us listen to that again yeah i think he actually did i I can't remember exactly what it was but i'm pretty sure that we approached that subject with him and he actually gave us uh an answer that's a shout out to the previously published death episode with travis turner go check that out really cool have a link to that in the uh, show notes <laughs> in case you didn't know travis turner was the drummer for crutch uh during this album and the next uh really good friend of the show hello travis i know you're listening buddy uh in addition to travis we had um other members of the band we had uh lead singer was joel thorpe guitar player alex kennis and uh other guitar second guitar player uh donnie swigert I guess that's the way you pronounce his name. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to get to this a little bit later when we start talking about their live shows. But Alex was kind of the he was the driving force behind this band's sound. He did the recording, the engineering, the mixing. He builds his own electronics. He builds his own amps. He builds amps specifically for recording. And he plays the bass, the keys, and everything additional on these records. He plays his guitar. You got Travis playing drums. Everybody does their role, but then he does everything else. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, as far as I knew, he was pretty much like one of the driving forces. Um, And, And it shows. When you listen to these records, they sound like they were mixed by a guitar player. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the guitar really shines, and it's really, uh, it's really cool because I, you know, I, these were obviously not recorded in like a million dollar studio or anything, you know. It, so it's 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 basically like self recording, but actually sounds good, good enough to at a time when that was not prevalent. No, not in the late '90s. I mean, like, not, you know, '99, 2000. 
what you had back then is you had like really bad real real recordings or you had really shitty digital <laughs> and uh you know not neither were really were really preferable you could you just kind of had to know what you were doing when you were recording stuff yeah i remember my old dats those were fun i still yeah. got that reel to reel in the closet man i love it yeah that's the only yeah, way well. to fly man no i will say this about alex love the vibrato man <laughs> i love his vibrato he man. rides the right hand <laughs> dude it's unbelievable i mean i know it's it's like it's like underlying on pretty much everything but man yeah, to me it's definitely down in the mix yeah it's way down in the mix but i just every time i hear it i just kind of smile i'm like dude i was like that needs to be cranked up a little bit i was like i'm I, i'm like i'm thinking like straight up prog and power metal vocalists like hiding <laughs> yeah well i'm gonna do my best for this episode not to criticize the mix because a lot of the complaints that i have are with the way these were mixed okay and i have to give a disclaimer on that alex did the mixing he did the mastering he's an audio junkie he is a gearhead's gearhead he's one of those guys he might even be in the same realm as les paul as far as his mental capacity or the way he's approaching these from a technical perspective and that's cool you need a moment alone with alex I, I do actually <laughs> okay. uh, i'd love to hang out with him in his vocal booth it's in a closet i'm inspired anyway uh, <laughs> okay <Wow>. I, I, <laughs> I wonder when i listen to these and this is something that dan told me a long time ago about a lathian performing live without a bass player and the reason was we don't need a bass player i will always argue till the end of time yes you do it's not just the notes that they play it's the frequency that they occupy and these records all three although they are not the same you can tell a guitarist had his hands on the board guitars are prevalent in the mids where they belong again technically that is where they belong the drums, especially on Hope Prevails, and for the audience that doesn't know, we will use Crutch and Alathian interchangeably throughout this episode because to us it's the same band. The vocals, although they are harsh, are right up front. I don't hear the bass. I don't hear the backup singing. It's there, and Jeff pointed it out already. I want to hear more of it. Um, I want to hear that bass, too, because there's a lot of really good bass work on these records especially on hope prevails um there is a fretless at one point really early on you play a fretless and bust out a beautiful between the buried and me style viridian solo and you don't want to turn it up i'm confused well not to bust your chops too much joe but i i've seen alathian <laughs> live several times and i can tell you that they didn't need the bass player, man. I, I was never sitting there, like, thinking, you know what would sound a lot better? <laughs> if there was some douchebag on the stage with a bass. You know, never that that never went through my head. Uh, so all bass players are douchebags now? No, I just said that there wasn't some douchebag. So I haven't said anything wrong yet, necessarily. <laughs> yet just being the key word? Just give me a few more, give me a few more beers. <laughs> and, and this is the argument that we've always had. It's not about the notes. It's about the frequency range. It's about the part of the sound, the audible sound frequency that I can hear that is not being occupied. Alathian is a guitar player's band. And if that's what they are, that's fine. But okay. I've always thought it was lacking that. And I would be curious to hear what this band would sound like today with the changes in recording technology, because A to B comparison, this versus what's being recorded now, yes, home recording has gotten better. There's also been a lot of digital samples and the overuse of not real drummers. This is a amazing example even though it's lacking in that area for me of what home recording has always been capable of being so why with this setting a very early good example did a lot of others take the fake drum route take the lazy bass player route <laughs> well i mean i don't know about you but like i don't 
go to a live show with a pair of headphones on. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not smart enough to get what you're saying. But, like, when I'm at a live show, I'm not sitting there thinking, like, man, the frequency in which it seems to be missing that the bass player is supposed to occupy. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't uh, – that didn't translate with me. You know, um, I, I, I was so distracted by how all of the band members wore matching clothes. <laughs> And did windmill hair while they were playing these ridiculous guitar parts. And they just had this showmanship about them that was like, check us out, we're a big deal. We're not up our own ass, but we're a big deal. We're we're not we're not the metalcore bands that are playing every other stage right now. We we are something different. Something that Cornerstone really did really was lacking during that, you know, between two thousand and two and two thousand and five. You know, like it was all metalcore then and you know, to see a band like Alathian play was really an experience. And actually, the first time I saw them was uh, I was just sitting there uh, at Cornerstone going through some CDs. I just bought some CDs as a merch tent. And uh, like 10 or 15 CDs, I'm looking through the lyric books, and suddenly I hear the song Break of the Clouds start playing. Like, not like it had to have been less than 50 feet away from me. You know, like I, I, knew, I knew this song and I was like, holy shit, that's, that's Crutch, you know? And so I got up and started running. Left the CDs there, like out, <laughs> like it, near my tent, just laying out on the ground that I just bought from the merch booth, and uh, and, and just ran to find the band, um, and ended up spending the rest of my money uh, on on their stuff. Uh, it was really it was a really good experience, man. And I, and I, I think before I was really into them, and I was blown away by Hope Prevails. You know the the version of it that I had. But whenever I actually saw the band live and it was real, like that, that's whenever I became like just like a diehard, you know. Well, let's go ahead and talk about Hope Prevails then, real, real quick. I I think uh, back on what Joe was saying, I, I'm gonna kind of get where he's at. It it it's what's at the at, at the front is very forward and very bright uh, on the first album, and it's very very apparent, uh, and, and it it's almost harsh. I don't know if maybe that's what Joe was trying to to get at. We'll we'll get back into it. But, I promise. <laughs> but I, the uh, for for you, Dan. I mean, for you was the the atmosphere. I mean, you you went to the show, you, and you got an exposure, you know, to the emotion of it. Uh, I you know I haven't. I didn't get that exposure with this band. Uh, I don't know if Joe's ever seen them live. Only on DVD. Okay. Well, that doesn't count because you're not actually there. You're not feeling the adrenaline of, you know, hundreds of or thousands of other people. That's right. Going crazy with you. I've then, got it, Jeff, if you want to watch it sometime. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I will. But I'm just saying that uh, when you're there in the moment, it changes how you think uh, of, a, of a band. And you're 100% correct. I hate rap, but I will go to a live show. I don't care if they're rapping. I'm there. I'm in it. The live experience is the most important part of music, is to actually go see the band. But when I'm listening to these albums, I can it's missing something. And again, I'm trying not to criticize the recordings themselves. And actually, this is my first point about Hope Prevails. I'm skeptical of the CD quality versus the streaming quality because I don't have the disc. My only source for this band was Google Music. And my first question to Jeff, who has been listening to Hope Prevails for years, and Dan, who is a super fan of Crutch, is the streaming music the same as what you have from over 20 years ago, or nearly 20 years ago? Well, it's not the same, but it's not because of what you're describing. It's You see, there's two versions of this. As far as I know of Hope Prevails. There is. I so think it's only two. There's the one that I got from my friend, the MP3s, years and years ago. Um, and I, whenever I saw the band at Cornerstone, I did pick up a copy of it. But the copy of it that, the copy of it that I got at Cornerstone was, uh, it said, you know, Alathian, because they were Alathian then. Uh, it said Alathian, formerly known as Crutch. And it was released under Hope Prevails Productions, which I think was the band's own kind of label. Because they self-produced and, everything, right? Uh, yeah, at that time, yes. 
And uh, but I remember listening to it and noticing that there were like some subtle differences between the two. Uh, just little stuff like vocals sounded a little different, like the pronunciation sounded a little different, and it seemed like the production on the vocals. Uh, and I, I like Joel as a vocalist. Like I like the way his voice sounds. Uh, but what I don't like necessarily is how the vocals are mixed because it, it kind of like it's it's a little airy, like like almost a little um, a little too low in the mix. And I think I think for 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 good death metal vocals, you know, you, you want them to kind of have a punch. And I don't feel like they punched as much as they could have on Hope Prevails. Um, and you know, back in the day, I didn't care because I didn't you know I wasn't thinking about like vocal mixing and and stuff like that. I just enjoyed the freaking record, and that's how I feel about it now. Um, but if I have to be critical, because that's what we do, um, I would say that, you know, the vocals don't really punch uh, like they they almost punched more in the original versions that I had than they did in on the CD version, which is funny because my original MP3s were probably significantly lower quality. I mean, I, I think you know, this was like the very beginning of high speed. So, I mean, it took me some time uh, to, to even get those files. So they, they had to have been smaller in file size. And so when I heard it on the CD, I just thought, you know, well, maybe the CD just sounds better. But the more I listened to it, the more I was like, no, there, there's definitely different vocal takes being used or or something. Something has been changed from the original release. And I realize you guys probably don't know that, but I, <laughs> it's just something I noticed. I wonder if that's true for anything else, because these are my favorite drum sounds. Is this album right yeah. here? The drums are up front. They are full you can tell somebody is actually playing i get the same feeling listening to these as i do the self-titled between the buried and me yes the later album sounded better but this one sounds like microphones in front of a kit thank you yeah this one this one's really good i mean this is probably my favorite album by them just because the first time's always your favorite right i think some of the stuff that was on dying vine is better but like I, this record just just because I you know I know all the songs I know the words I can sing along, you know like it really is I mean for a debut record from a band that nobody'd heard of at that point it had I mean it just reeks of quality technicality heaviness I mean it, it was the whole deal you know all the way back then and actually got me into a lot of like uh, a lot of the technical death metal that I like now you know it's still te- techie death metal is still my go-to style of music and that's 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 largely largely because of this wow <laughs> what do you I, think jeff you uh, shit all over it now <laughs> no i uh i had <laughs> i had fun with it the uh the only thing for me is I like, like I said I, I wish that uh, I could get a little bit a little more oomph out of the clean vocals and uh, the I don't uh, think there were any clean vocals on Hope Prevails a little bit in the back yeah there's a little bit in the background is there I yeah not even aware of that a little bit of unison yeah okay. there's but yeah that's that's probably part of it uh, my ears checked or maybe my brain checked that's possible too I think that's the more likely ch- are you sure you didn't <laughs> just insert them mentally in there because like. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was with me singing along. I was gonna say because I don't I remember there being I, any I clean can't, singing on I that can't, album. I can't do you know, uh, harsh vocals to save my life unless I'm yelling at my kids. <laughs> that's, right. That's the only time I can do it. So yeah, it's Shut up, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, they're like, wow. Dan could be a front of metal band. I'm like, God, oh, no, no, that's Dan's job. I was like, I'll, I'll do the clean vocals, you know, you know, floating around on stage, but that's about it. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So, what did you think of Hope Prevails? I, I, I dug it. I mean, it was for me, it was fun. Uh, I like the whole technical aspect of things. Uh, I always have like, a, like if you get real techy on on music, uh, and I'm in the right mood, I, I like listening to it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Because you can generally find something that you missed the first go around, I, and I really like that that aspect of technical music because there's generally a lot of things going on. There's a lot of moving parts, and I think that's also what really tuned me into what Joe was talking about. I know I'm, it goes back to the poo poo thing, but it it it, it does. I mean, it, it made me. Uh, I I was noticing the deficiencies. And maybe that's by design. I mean, it could be something that they were looking for specifically. 
uh, but it because it's different and uh, I think everybody's just used to looking for you know certain things in music because there's a quote unquote formula and this is was this was a homebrew I mean they just did their own thing and I I don't think they really cared what anybody else thought so and no progressive death metal fan in the late 90s early 2000s would complain because this was back when people were all about how bad it sounded and i'm not saying this is bad but you remember dan those black metal bands oh it just sounds it sounds like a cassette tape turned up to 10 like there's no bass there's no highs it's all you know what i'm (laughs) that that whole thing was a thing then too so nobody would have complained about this i think this was more like they just did the best they could and they did far beyond what anybody else was doing at the time. Right. I mean, it, this sounded great. And, you know, for the market that they were in, I mean, this, this was... I, I'm very surprised that the band didn't have more buzz about them than they did. Like, I mean, it, they got a certain amount of notoriety, but it seemed like that was later on. You know, like, it was almost like... Because I remembered, man, like, doing the Christian death metal thing, you know years and years ago like around that time like 2005 2004 like all that like there weren't a lot of bands out that sounded this good like not in that not in that realm like you had you had really good stuff from overseas like you had like x toll and you know you had really good christian thrash bands before that like believer and and stuff like that but like this was like a whole different breed you know this wasn't christian music that was influenced by christian music and i think that was the biggest thing about it was that it had a, it had an air of legitimacy about it and it sounded really good for what it was it was hard hitting and uh, and i am really surprised that it wasn't more of a uh, like more of a, a smash success than it was yeah I, I have to agree i'm surprised they weren't they were so polished i mean just right out of the gate I mean, even though if we might have some, you know, complaints about mixing and, and levels, I mean... The music's it, great. The music is fan-freaking-tastic. I mean, it's awesome. Technical. Yeah, I mean, it's everything that, that, that we look for Polyrhythmic. So... Extreme. I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that they did want to do it all themselves. That uh, it, not until, well, I guess they were, they were part of an imprint of Metal Blade later on. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, there's no Facebook back then, not in 2001, 2002. Right. You know, there's there's MySpace, I think. I think MySpace was around then. It was starting, and, if it hadn't already. Yeah, and like, so I mean, it's not that there weren't ways to promote, but like, not like it is now. Like, you, you know, th- this was still like, okay, we're going to make this record, and we're going to press it to CDs, you know, and like, it was all just so much time and effort and work. And I think that's why it's so surprising because, you know, there are so many bands like Joe mentioned that just didn't give a shit about how it sounded. And this was just, uh, this was like a, it was like a break in the clouds, man. <laughs> like not to be cheesy, <laughs> but like it was really, uh, it was like best song on the album. Oh yeah. I like that one a lot. I mean, it's, it's an amazing opener. Um, I like that song a lot, but I'm a really big fan uh, of uh, the song Awe and Disbelief. Like, that song, just, I don't know, yeah, I just... It does it for you, scratches that itch. It really does, man. Like, that, the intro, like, where it's just uh, kind of, you know, it's it's basically just noodling, but, like, I don't <laughs> know, I just like the way it builds, and then, I, I don't know, like... We're going to talk about the noodling here I'm on the next one. I'm not going to give a second-by-second second review, but, yeah, like, <laughs> that was really good. Um, Obscured Reflection was really good. Um, that one just has a really, really nice melodic intro. And it, you know, one thing that I, that I will give it for being a death metal record is that it really does sound hopeful. Like, it sounds positive, you know? It's like everything everything could just be, like, you know, really negative or evil sounding or trying to sound dark. And, like, that's not really, that's not really it. Like, when you have an album called Hope Prevails and it sounds like this, I think thematically it sounds like what it's called. It's extreme music under control. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> sorry. I, just, you know, I was agreeing. I was agreeing, guys. I, I agreed with, with a thing. One there time. are wow. rare instances in life where I am able to leave Dan speechless. I believe this is technically number four, if I'm correct. Right, Mr. T? 
Yeah, well, let's get a little bit less positive as we move into the next album. All right, so who wants to tell Joe about what happened on Apollotrosis? Apollotrosis? Oh, wow, you just said it, dude. Hats off to Joe. I'm knocking him out of the park tonight. He stole my thunder. I've been practicing that fucking word all day long. Yeah. <laughs> For Vocal some reason, I always were... want to throw another P in there, like apopulatrosis or something like that. I'm trying to make some sort of, you know, I, I don't know. It's like the band's called Alathean, the album's called Apolutrosis. Like, I can't, like, I, I just can't, man. It's it's Apolutrosis by Crutch, damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to love and, it. I'm assuming you got to love your Latin for this stuff. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm sure because I, I know Travis kind of hit on that earlier. There's got to be some sort of wasn't Alex a Greek philosophy major? Yes, yeah, something <laughs> crazy like that. So it's, I mean, you know, this kind of checks out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's ancient but, Greek, I mean, not 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 Latin. Okay. You guys are gonna have a field day as I try to pronounce some of the song names on this album. Oh no! You, you just needed to go like. H movement one. <laughs> right. At least, at least there's no B movement, right? That'd be weird. But, uh, so this record is really weird to me. I was a bit bored listening to this one. Yeah, I did too. And it's not because there's bad material on it. This is still very much the same crutch or a Lathian or whatever you want to call it as we had on Hopes Prevail, but like with like delusions of grandeur i think like i think there was some stuff that was just taken too far and i know the reason why <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit Tra- travis has told me uh you know why why this album is the way that it is uh so what we have here is we have like um well like how many tracks do we have here let's see eight there are eight songs nine okay. tracks depending on if you trust streaming or an actual physical disc i don't know honestly Okay, well, I can get the disc off of my shelf here and see real quick because I'm, I'm having a little trouble uh, remembering how many tracks there are here. <laughs> Stand by, I've got a huge music show. I was about to say I don't think it's critical information at this point. <laughs> oh no, no 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 no! I gotta I gotta do it now. Damn it! I'm committed. Applesauce atrocious. <laughs> Applesauce atrocious? Is that what you said? Uh, app- Applesauce atrocious. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's what Travis called it on the death episode. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, Applesauce Atrocious. Okay, so nine songs okay. off the disc here. Okay. Well, so streaming's so, actually accurate for a change. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, let's moving forward, let's be accurate. Um, I know I'm probably going to be, be in the minority, but it's a concept album. You know I'm going to like it. Is it a concept album? Like, really? You think it was, like, designed to be a concept album? I don't know. As soon as I opened it up and I saw the track listings, the first thought that went in my head was concept album. And Jeff, right. by that definition, Liberate is good based solely on the track listing. <laughs> it's, Even though uh, the band had nothing to do with it. Anyway, coming back to Apollotrosis. Oh, okay. Hey, I was drunk on that album. That episode. <laughs> so, Give me a break. This record starts This record has like five really good songs on it. And each one's a half hour long. It's great. Not really. <laughs> no, I, I know. Um, they're relatively short songs. It's not that long of a record either. What is it, like 30 minutes, 30, 35 minutes, something like that? Um, I'm not going to put the disc in the player and check. but All three of the Alathian records go about 30 to 40. Yeah. I can tell so, you here in a sec. It is 40 minutes. So we've got song titles like Harmartia, Movement 1, and Movement 2. Now, this is going to be hilarious. Exilifine? Movement one, movement two. I'm not even going to touch track five. (laughs) And then we have uh, Xenos, movement one, and Xenos, movement two. Postlude and Benediction. Now, there's a lot of... um, What's the word? Like, for the most part, like like a song like uh, Hamartia, movement two, that song's awesome. Like it's 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 very similar to the uh, you know to the progressive you know melodic technical death metal. God, that's a lot of syllables. Um, that we had on Hope Prevail, but it actually sounds a little bit more epic to me. Like, like, like kicked up a notch. Like, like kind of almost off into space. Like just really big, sweeping, epic movements. Um, and so the songs the songs that really hit for me. 
are those types of songs. And they're typically the second of two movements. The first movement, like Harmartia, or yeah, Harmartia Movement One, is like just noise and people talking the whole time. And again, I'm sure they're saying like really profound shit that has to do with what the album's about. And I, like I said, I love the band. I'm a fanboy. I even like the way this sounds. But it, it does kind of come across as, yeah, we just threw this on here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the wank fest begins. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think they were showing off what they had. I mean, they, they grew between albums. I'm not going to say that anybody on this record doesn't sound on point. You know, like Travis sounds on point. Um, his drumming might actually be more challenging than it was on Hope Prevails. Um, and again, any of these statements that I make, I'm sure I will be corrected on. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things where the songs that really hit for me is uh, Hamartia Volume 2, or sorry, Movement 2, and uh, Exalifin <laughs> Movement 2. Those songs kick ass. And they promise something. Like They, they promise a sound that I don't really get throughout the rest of the record. Like I've got those two songs and they're everything that I want them to be, but everything else, like it seems to me like there's maybe only like four or five, like actual songs here and everything else is just kind of like filler. It's like, there's just a lot of shit in there. Like a lot of filler. Uh. And like, it's not shit. Like it sounds good, but like, I want to hear more like techie proggy death metal and I don't get that through a good majority of the record. Whereas on Hope's Prevail, Hope Prevails, that's all it was. So Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, it sounds like uh, we should have John Drake on and he should be talking about Dream Theater because this is exactly the argument we had with him against uh, all the Dream Theater stuff. But for whatever reason, I actually like this one, though. Yeah. It's very atmospheric. Oh, there's that word. I think it's a progressive EP. Hashtag Jeff's Atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New show coming summer 2018. Right. I feel like it's an EP with intros. It is. And I think that's why I'm bored. There's not enough substance for it's me. Us have, it's, see, and, and, and we're being a little facetious here because, like, Travis has told us, like, <laughs> like what happened with this album. And essentially... This is the condensed version of it that I that I know that he's told us that he told us on our death episode that that record was basically an EP, which is what it sounds like because the songs that are that I keep saying are really great, you know, makes sense if there was only like three or four of them, you know, or five or whatever uh, for an EP. But the band was being looked at by Century Media at the time, which I mean, Century Media in the early two thousands, no joke. I mean, it's still still no joke, you know. I mean, I'd be I'd be ribbed out if Century right. Media was interested in something I was doing, you know. Uh, so basically, they needed a full length, or the label wouldn't even, cons- you know, really consider them as a band. Um, so basically, they they just kind of added to what they had, and we ended up with this album. You know, um, it is a full length. I still listen to it from beginning to end, and like I, I keep saying that, like, oh. There's all this shit in there and blah, 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 blah. And from a critical standpoint, like, the story that Travis told me about the record, like, definitely checks out. You know what I mean? Like, that definitely, when you're listening to it, knowing that going in, you definitely, you can definitely hear it. Um, However, whenever I first heard it back in the day, I didn't really, I didn't really have that issue with it. I thought it just didn't have as many cool songs on it as, as the other album did. Sorry to chug some water there. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, did we lose you? No. No, good. I just, you know, just took my breath away, man, you know. But, uh, yeah, this record has uh, a few additions. I think that the songs are are more melodic than they were on uh, Hope Prevails. I mean, Hope Prevails is an extremely melodic record, but uh, Apollotrosis by Lathian is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> It has more progressive elements to it. Um, like I said before, the songs sound bigger. The recording, to me, sounds better uh, than what we'd had on um, Hope Prevails. And the uh, there there is actually there actually is clean singing that I heard on this one, <laughs> and it's really fucking good. Like surprisingly so, to the point where I'm like, wait a minute, 
Like, did they get a new member? No, that's Alex. Welcome to Alex is in control because he layers it on. It sounds good too, and it's not too much. You know, there are some bands that, that do the sing scream thing, but that's that's not what this is. This isn't like heavy, 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 and then here's this melodic chorus. You know what I mean? This is not a. This is a lot more ADD than that. This is extreme metal orchestration. This is we're going to yeah. add more layers to what we're already doing. Right. So I think I, that really, that was a really good addition to the band. And uh, and, and I like it. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't like that the drums took a back seat on this one. The drums do sound a little bit more in the background. Hope Prevails is a far more satisfying record just from listening to the musicians play. I love I mean, I love the way it sounds, but yeah, like I, I wish, you know, more Travis all the time, you know, <laughs> um, that's what we want here on discography discussion. So, uh, you know, he, uh, he really sounded good here. Like I said, I, it's almost like, I feel like the songs might've been a little bit more challenging, uh, a little bit harder to pull off, but I mean, he pulls them off. I mean, goddamn, um, you know, as much as he wants to say that, you know, he's a, he's a pretty good drummer. He's more than a pretty good drummer, man. He's, he's definitely the real deal. And I, I feel I could stand up to a lot of uh, a lot of more popular uh, tech, techie metal drummers. And now it's time to talk about Dying Vine, which is their best album, in my opinion. Ooh, Dan, I'm sorry, but as the fall breaks, well, <laughs> it opened the show, and it's opening up the discussion on this album. Tell me about Dying Vine. So, Dying Vine was released in 2005. And this was like this was their new release. Whenever, uh, whenever I had actually first seen them, they already had the first two albums out. I think by the time I saw them, or maybe no, I feel like Dying Vine came a couple years later. I, it's so hard for me to remember stuff that happened 12, 13 years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, so Dying Vine was so they they had a new drummer on this record, uh, and his name was Joe Walmer. I want to make sure I pronounce that right. Um, Joe Walmer, and he, uh, I mean, kick-ass drummer. <laughs> um, you always worry whenever a band like this loses a member or changes a member because, uh, but, I mean, this guy Joe is just completely on point, man. Um, he fits. Yeah. He sounds really good uh, with the band sound. Um, really good transition there. And um, this album is like a polytrosis, I think, but it... it it really kind of sounds a little bit more like Hope Prevails too, and that could just be because there's more actual songs on it. I mean, it's nine tracks, but um, the production quality has stepped up quite a few notches here. It definitely sounds like they took more time on this one, and that might be what's really wrong with Apolytrosis. It doesn't sound like they had enough time to make it as great as it could have been. Possible. This seems like a really... Um, took their time on it really thought out all the songs because the songs really do stand out apart from one another i remember the dvd of them making this record just watching them record these guitar parts in what it looks like an apartment yeah and just do it again that wasn't tight enough do it again i love the i love the notes that they had out for the song for like the song titles um, <laughs> as the fall breaks it actually they had a note with like the music on it piece of paper with the music on it and at the top it just says as the ass aches <laughs> which i thought was really funny those recording sessions were brutal <laughs> yeah yeah this is a great album but i don't know and how this fun is it what we got record. so <laughs> yeah what does that say are people not taking enough time who knows yeah i don't know but this sounds great i mean paragon kicks off the record and it's it's like apolytrosis again but it sounds better and it's like it's got everything you know that they'd established on that record really just in the first 10 seconds you got the harsh vocals the clean singing definitely like jules uh jules death metal vocals a lot more on this record uh they're a lot more out in front and they don't have that weird um they don't have that weird like mixing like weird effect on them and it just sounds it just sounds really good it actually sounds pretty punchy in some of the more intense songs yeah i, I think you like it because it they essentially cut the fluff this yeah, is, dude. Because this all is killer, no filler. Yeah, it's it is. I mean, this is actually a shorter album. This is only thirty-two minutes long, I think. Yeah. So taking yeah. the American standards approach, get in, get out, leave them speechless. Right. The Paragon is an amazing song. Yes, out it from is. the shadows is probably my favorite on the record. 
um, that song really builds. I mean, just all the elements are in place. Um, everything just flows together really nicely. Nothing sounds forced. Um, you know, they don't take a break, stop, play something crazy, and then start the song again, which is something that kind of tended to happen on previous albums. And this was just uh, this was just really great out of the gate, man. All, as the fall breaks deserves special mention that was uh they were playing that song for years before they recorded this album because i remember that flyer see they, they would hand out flyers at cornerstone and it would have like their whole set list on it and then it would have all the lyrics to the songs so you give like jeff something to wipe his nose with you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh that was really cool <laughs> <laughs> dude that was really fucking good cheers to that oh yeah, man I, you know. yeah that yeah there's no coming back from that but no that's but that's a smart that's a smart idea i mean that would get like you know assholes like me to actually pay attention right well and yeah and it's not like i don't think i saw anybody standing there at the show reading the lyrics of the songs as they want but you know at that time you know you go home you go on myspace it's got all the band's contact information there it's got their website it's got their myspace page it's pure volume whatever it was at the time and uh you could listen to those songs and you'd have the lyrics right there for you you know to, to listen to or to read along with or wipe your nose with and you know i thought that that was really clever and like i said i mean it's not it's not that they weren't more popular due to a lack of marketing i think it just had something to do with just not being playing like the most popular style of music at that time or just playing music that was a little hard for the average person to just get into. Um, which is kind of weird because like when I came into them uh, on Hope Prevails, I kind of like didn't know a whole lot about death metal, you know? <laughs> like, uh, And maybe that was good. Maybe maybe if I was like a diehard Suffocation fan or something, I'd be like, Duh, it's slow and noodly, I don't like it, you know? Um, <laughs> sounds like something I would say, you know? But... Uh, no, it, it really it really captured me, and and I think I think these songs like if these were the first Alathian songs you were showing to somebody, I think it would have had the same impact on me if this had been my first record by them, uh, you know, versus Hope Prevails. And they're both great records, but this one this one I think edges it out a little bit more, even though Hope Prevails still kind of remains my favorite because it was the first one for me. You know, I wonder if there were more Alathian recordings, where would they stand? next to a band like Between the Buried and Me who took this idea of technical death metal and just went way outside the line. Yeah, I think they would have kept expanding, to be honest. I mean, granted, Dying Vine was really a return to form for the band, I think. Um, but I, I do hear those experimental elements there. It's not like they it's not like they shied away from anything that they established on uh, Apolotrosis. It's all there too, you yeah, know. It's a blending of the previous two releases, in, in my opinion. I think that's why I like it. The, it, it I like the whole uh, experimental aspect of the previous release, but this has got a little more meat and potatoes. And I, I think overall, it's their, it's by far their best release. I don't even, I don't think it's uh, that close. But you know, I also happen to be coming into this. Uh, without having the emotional connection that that dan has you know whenever you, it's always your first love kind of thing so that's why hope prevails is like going to be always there for you yeah and in a lot of ways man i you know i compare a lot of albums i hear to hope prevails you know like it's it's kind of one of those records uh for me that just kind of like this is the definition of what what like technical metal is and so I tend to I tend to almost kind of not even consider stuff that doesn't necessarily fall into that you know, that doesn't fall into that same vein. You know, I like to think I've gotten better of that about that over the years. But I mean, it's still kind of my go-to. When I listen to a record, I was like, well, how does it compare to Hope Prevails, or how does it prefer, pre- compare to uh, Dying Vine? You know, yeah, you got to have a barometer of some sort. I mean, I like whenever I I do like you know technical stuff i always go to like the contortionist so i always compare it you know especially like off exoplanet and stuff like that you know i really you know that's kind of like the litmus test for me everybody's got some some band that they that they're going to want to 
constantly compare things to. I mean, that's just par for the course. That's human nature. So it right. makes sense that, you know, that you want to go back to Hope Prevails. I mean, it it scratches that itch for you. It was the right band at the right time for you. I mean, for sure. And, and that's, you know, once you get that, you never let it go. Like for me, back in the 90s, it was God Lives Underwater. Like I compared everything to God Lives Underwater. They like... I mean, they could shit rainbows out their ass, you know, as far as I was concerned. I thought they were the best thing that ever happened to music for, like, a good 10 years. Right. So, I mean, everybody's got that. Well, I remember when we were recording, um, when we were recording our, our album uh, with Travis, Joe actually played his drum set for the recording. And I remember thinking, like, like being a total fanboy, like... Because, I mean, I'm not going to lie, man. I couldn't believe I was at Travis Turner's house. You know what I mean? Like, I, I knew of him as the as the drummer for Crutch. And so, like, it really blew my mind, you know, like, looking at his CD collection, you know, seeing all those death CDs and stuff in there. And um, and I remember just, like, kind of looking at the drums and being like, you know, is this the is this the same kit that he recorded Hope's Prevail, Hope Prevails with? You know, like, <laughs> it was... Uh, it was my big fanboy moment, you know. I was you like, forgot oh, the DVD shit. collection, man. Voltron, Defender of the Universe. Did he have all the Voltron DVDs? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't remember that. I was too busy looking at the CDs. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've actually got that DVD collection now too. I, I uh, picked it up at V Stock for my birthday. Um, but yeah, I remember. I remember thinking, like, you know, and I used to tell people too. I'd be like, yeah, dude, we 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 recorded our CD, you know, with the drummer from Crutch, you know. And people are like the hell are you talking about you know but it, like, it, it was a really it was a really big deal to me you know and that's and, what counts uh, man and it was and um i remember too i told travis that the first copy of hopes prevail hope prevails that i had was uh illegally downloaded from the internet you know like somebody sent me the files and he was like you ripped off my band like, <laughs> like <laughs> But I went out and bought it because I of bought it. it later on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Um, yeah, at first I was kind of like, is, is he serious? <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't know how to react. So I just kind of like downplayed it for the rest of the time I was there. And uh, But yeah, like I so said, just a lot of, I've got a lot of really good memories of Crutch and Alathian and, and especially like just that time period in my life, you know? And that, that's what I associate a lot of it with. So I've got, I've got a very biased opinion towards the band, but I, I think that's okay. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to be objective that I didn't think that necessarily everything was perfect, but, um, but I think, you know, like Joe said, you know, for a band that was doing it all themselves, this is just polished as hell. I mean, this is, they really had an achievement there and it's, uh, it's kind of sad that they're not really around anymore. Look up Alex on YouTube if you get a chance, if you want to see the mad scientist in action. Well, Alex also, uh, he went on and played uh, guitar and becoming the archetype after, um, after, after Alathian, you know, like he, uh, didn't he have some vocals really cool. in he, there too? He did their Physics of Fire album with him and he sings on that too. So, yeah. you know, you get, you get everything you'd expect out of him, you know, and, uh, and that was, that was a cool record. I, you know, I really liked that, and then him and um, him and Travis got together uh, a few years later with Jason Wisdom, and uh, they recorded a project called Solomers or Solomers. Again, I you know I don't understand why it can't just be called something easy, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know whatever. Um, but yeah, they recorded a project called uh, Solomers. Uh, the album was called Depravity's Demise. So Travis played drums on that, and uh, Alex played guitar. And as far as I know, did pretty much everything, you know, with him. And Jason Wisdom did the, did the screaming vocals on that, and that was a really cool record. Although it wasn't as, uh, it wasn't like techy like Alathian. It was a little bit more straightforward, but like still really good. Like a good, definitely good song or good, uh, really good car car music, you know. <laughs> All right, so, so uh, <laughs> Jeff, final yes. thoughts on Alathian. I wasn't done, man. Travis oh. did a bunch of other stuff too. Oh shit, Dan's oh. still going. Yep. Pretend like nothing yeah. happened. So Travis, uh, well, I only had one more band to mention, but Travis also played uh, drums in a band called Unteachers, uh, and they are actually still around. Um, Travis doesn't play for them anymore, but uh, Unteachers is an amazing band, and uh, to add them to the list, check, definitely check them out. Um, really cool, really cool stuff, and uh, and then obviously, you know, as we all know. Uh, 
Travis went on to start the As the Story Grows podcast, um, which is a podcast that I'm a huge fan of. And, um, you know, the, the rest is history, man. Like, it's uh, it definitely I, I was really excited that we got to talk about them this week because I, I just uh, oh, it just always has so much to say. I mean, I could talk about this band forever, but I know you guys would want that. So, <laughs> uh, Joe, I will I will I will finish. That is that's that's all I got. <laughs> for today alright Jeff final thoughts on the Lathian I had fun with it I uh, really did I, I thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish and that's not always the case I I generally am one that's a little bit on the, the critical side I may not be quite the, the the raging lunatic that Dan can be when he dislikes something but I normally am the one that just bitches and complains the most and I don't really have any complaints uh, other than you know, there's some mixing and, and level issues on the on the first album. Hope prevails. That's about the only thing that I really. If that's if that that's the only thing I can bitch about on your album, you're doing pretty fucking good. So, I, these are three so- solid albums. It's a, like uh, Dan said, it's a shame that they didn't get to uh, uh, get a little more no- notoriety because I think that they deserve it. I think they're really really good. Dan, what about you? <laughs> uh, like, well, kind of like what Jeff said, it sucks that they're not still around. Um, would really love to to see where they would have gone. You know, um, I think they had they had so much potential. They had a really cool thing going on, and um, but you know, I kind of understand it as well that you know maybe you toil and toil and toil for years, and you don't see uh, you don't see enough you know profit from it, or, or, or see enough not not necessarily profit like about money, but just. Um, you don't necessarily um, get a, a good payoff for that hard work, and um, you know, and life happens. I think I think that's that's a pretty critical factor in why a lot of bands disappear is because life catches up with them, you know, and they just have other priorities and other things. So um, I think it's really cool though that the that the other members of the band have have done other things, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll hear more of that in the future. That's all I got. I think the day-to-day run-of-the-mill progressive death metal fan needs to listen to Alathian and find out how many of their favorite bands were influenced by Alathian or that Alathian was around at the same time. I don't know of any one particular band that came right out and said, oh yeah, everything we do today we did because of Alathian. But I think just like you can start with the basics in any field that you study, I think home recording engineers and even guitarists that just want to make their own music should sit down and really listen to Alathian and just process the idea that this was done by one guy, the recording, I mean, and it came out this solid this clean, this melodic, this atmospheric, and had little to no reverb. When I think of bands that don't have reverb, I think of Cake. That's it. Everybody else uses something to kind of enhance the atmosphere of the record. These albums are heavy, melodic, and they are under control. There are very few bands that are heavy, melodic, and under control check out Alathian. Damn, what's your album of the week? Uh, well, I've been really stuck on this Not Beneath album called uh, Memento Mori, and it's amazing. Can't get enough of it, and uh, we might be talking to those guys soon, so check it out. Jeff, what about you? Alright, it's what I wanted to listen to tonight uh, as well. I mean, I'm not complaining about this, but I lost out to the uh, the masses that would, that would be Dan and Joe. I wanted to uh, I want to do an uneven structure episode at some point. La Partition was what I was listening to. I love that band. So everybody needs to go out and check out uneven structure. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 plain as day. And there might be a reason why I like that. There's a, We have an, another uh, episode coming up that might have a, a little uh, influence on uneven structure. And by little, I mean a whole hell of a whole lot. <laughs> there you go. And on that note, this has been episode 49 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. 
You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. So if you were wondering, Dan, if it's actually possible to talk about three crutch records for an hour, we did it. We did it. 